you have a Bible, go with me to Exodus chapter 20. It'll be in Exodus 20 verse 12 here in just a second. Exodus 20 verse 12. And uh, that, was a, that was a great video, again, put together by one of the local pastor's wives um, that just honors and celebrates the sacrifices that moms make. And it's an important thing for us to remind ourselves of because there really is um, an assault going on on the family in our nation and in our culture. Uh, there's an assault on moms and dads and on the family where uh, there's multiple things that are going on, but one of the things is women are being pressured to see motherhood as not enough and as not satisfying enough uh, for your life. Uh, one of the things I saw this week is the CDC came out with their 2020 statistics, and one of the things that happened in 2020, and obviously maybe a little bit uh, different because of the COVID year, but for the first time, I, I think for the first time in U.S. history, the birth rates hit the lowest level that they've ever been at in the history of our country. So now we're at 1.64 births per women, which is well below the replacement fertility level of 2.1 births per woman, per woman. And 25 of our 50 states had more deaths than births in 2020. And so there is an assault going on on the family and not seeing family as, a, as something to be valued or something to be celebrated. Add to that, we live in a culture that views parents and parenthood as kind of a joke, really. I mean, as, as views parents as idiots. If you think about almost every Disney movie that you've ever seen, the premise of that movie is kids are brilliant and parents are idiots, right? Like you think about um, Ariel knows better than her dad and you know, in Beauty and the Beast, the dad's kind of a moron who's seen as this strange guy and Beauty knows better than him. Or you think about finding Nemo, then you get, you know, Nemo is, sees his dad as, a, as an idiot, as a coward, as, a, as passive aggressive, all those different types of things. And so you have all of these Disney movies that come out that say, kids, follow your heart, don't listen to your parents. Parents are morons and they don't know what's best for you. And that's the culture that we live in and that's the culture that we are raising children in. And so we have a culture that winks at rebellion, that winks at disobedience, that, that thinks it's funny when children disobey their parents. And unfortunately, that attitude is seeping, not, it's not only in American culture, it's, it's seeping into church culture. And so I, I almost on a weekly basis deal with parents who are wrestling with the fact that their kids think, you know what, parents should listen to us about the decisions that we need to make, about the important things in life, that, that parents should listen to children rather than children listening to parents. So parents are no longer encouraged to be the authority in their children's lives. And then add to that the fact that we, we live in a culture where uh, uh, youth and uh, beauty, as defined by the culture, are the highest values, and age and seniority are seen as kind of uh, something that we want to, like any reminder of aging and any reminder of seniority or, or elderliness, we want to push away from us. And so on our commercials and our movies, there's a shelf life on being a star in a movie. And there's a shelf life on being an actress who's leading in a movie. And there's uh, these kinds of things that are happening because we don't want to think about aging. We don't want to think about seniority. And so we see aging parents as kind of a nuisance that we you know, don't really 
want to deal with, but we reluctantly have to deal with. And so we've got nursing homes and all these other things to, to deal with those things that we don't want to deal with. And so we live in a culture where parenthood and honoring our parents is not seen as a virtue. It's, it's actually seen as a negative. And I think if we were all to be honest with ourselves, if we think about that reality, it's not actually been good for our nation. Like it, it, it's, not, it's not actually helped us, right? And so we're living in this kind of culture where we are reaping what we have sown when it comes to parenthood, when it comes to family life. And God gives us here in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, a different, a different way to go, a different path to take. And so let's look at this here. Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. If you would, please stand to your feet out of reverence for reading the words of God. We're going to read just one verse. It's part of the Ten Commandments. This is what God said to the nation of Israel without, without any human mediation. He, sp he spoke this directly to the nation of Israel, and he says it to us by the Spirit. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. So God gives us a clear directive. When we think about Mother's Day, when we think about family, God gives us a very clear directive. This is God's design for human life. And God's design for human life is honor your parents. One of the things that we, when we um, have equipped you before and trained you before in how to share your faith, one of the methods that we use to uh, evangelize people, to share your faith, to witness to lost people is what's, what we call the three circles, okay? And the three circles really is a, a help to us in having a conversation about what God has commanded us, how we've fallen short, and the remedy for that, okay? And so I wanna use that paradigm uh, this evening as we talk about what we're supposed to be as families. And so the first thing that we see in this text in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 12 is God's design. We see his design for our lives. We see his design for our families. And what his design for our life is, is that we are called to honor our parents, called to honor our parents. This is the way that life works best. This is what God has given us for human flourishing. Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 6 that when it comes to this commandment, Paul says that this commandment is the first commandment with a promise. This is the first commandment with a promise that it will go well with you and you'll live long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And so God promises to children, if you will honor your parents, you'll have a longer life and you'll have a better life. That's a promise that God makes in this commandment. And this is the way that God has designed families to work. And so we are called to honor our parents. And this is a command, just like all of the other Ten Commandments, that is binding on us the whole of our life. Okay? This is binding on us the entirety of our life. In the same way that we can't say, hey, you know what? We've aged out of thou shalt not murder. We've aged out of thou shalt not commit adultery. We can't say that. We've not also aged out of honor your parents. This is something that is binding on us for the entirety of our lives. And so this teaches us some things about the way that we are to to uh, order our families. First of all, if you are a parent, the first thing that you need to be instructed by, by this commandment is, you are called to be honorable, okay? You are called to live, a, live an honorable life. Second thing that this tells us is that you are called to be 
uh, at least uh, when they are young and when they're in your household, the authority in your kids' lives. Okay, you are called to be the authority uh, over your children. Children, when you are young and in your parents' household, you are called to honor your parents by obeying them. You are to submit to their instruction. You're to submit to their commands. As they age, you are called to honor your parents by respecting them and caring for them. Respecting them and caring for them. So this commandment is binding on you for the entirety of your life. Yes, it does change when you are in the home and under your parents' authority, you are called to obey. When you are out of the home and you have created your own family, you are called to respect and to honor, but it is binding on you for all of your life. And parents, one of the things that we need to understand is uh, we think about this idea of being honorable so that our parents, so that our children can honor us. When they are in your home, you need to be their authority. You don't need to be their buddy first or their best friend first. You need to be the authority who's able to tell them yes, able to tell them no, able to tell them this is the path you need to go down. This is the path you need to avoid. You need to be the authority in your children's lives. But as they age and as they leave your home, and as Genesis chapter 2 tells us, as Moses tells us in Genesis chapter 2, as he gives us this command from God that, that children are to leave their father and mother, cleave to their wife, the two become one flesh, and they're not ashamed that, that as your children grow up, the, the natural course of life, according to the Bible, is they will grow up. Yes, they're supposed to leave your home. <laughs> and as they do, they're, you know, will get married and they'll start their own families. And so that at that point, you move from authority to solicited advisor. Okay? Not unsolicited advisor, but solicited advisor. So you, now children, th those of you who are children in the room who are grown up, who are married, you're starting your own families, it would be wise of you to solicit the advice of your godly parents. But parents, you've got to be able to cut the apron strings and let your children leave the nest and flourish on their own. This is the, the way that God has ordained and ordered the family. Now, why is God so concerned about this? Like, why is this the first commandment that has a reward attached to it, that has a promise attached to it? And here's why. One of the things that the Old Testament tells us repeatedly is parents are given to us as the first authority in our lives to teach us the way that we are to relate to God. And so the way that you relate to your parents is corollary to and, and is uh, uh, just attributable to the way that you will relate to God himself. And so the way you relate to your parents is, is instructive of the way that you'll relate to God. This is why Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6 when he says, hey, this is the first commandment that was given with a promise. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. As you obey your parents, you're obeying God. As you submit to your parents' authority, you are submitting to, ultimately, the authority of God. So parents are the first authority in our lives, and if we don't learn to honor them, we will not learn to honor God. And so this is the standard that God has given to us when it comes to family. And God has given this to us for our good. He, he, he wants us to know the way that life works best. And he wants us to understand this before it is too late. A hilarious quote that I uh, came across years ago, Mark Twain said this, when I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant, I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much the old man had learned in seven years. 
And so children, let me just tell you this, the young people in the room and, and teenagers, you may think your parents are ignorant. You may think they are idiots or morons. And there's going to come a day when you're in your 20s or your early 30s and you're starting a family where you're going to say to yourself, you know what? Being married and being a parent is a lot harder than I thought. Paying my own bills was a lot harder than I thought. And you know what? I wish I'd have listened more to my mom and my dad. And so the Bible's telling you right now, before it's too late, listen to them now. Value their counsel. Value their opinion because you are called to honor your parents. That's God's design for our lives. Now, here's the problem. When we think about the, the three circles of God's design, we depart from God's design. We don't, we don't live up to God's design. And the Bible has a word for that, and that word is sin. Okay? We sin, we fall short of the standard of God, we depart from the design of God, and we all break this commandment, and we go our own way over God's way. Listen to what the Bible says in Romans 1, verse 30. Okay? Now, here's... Romans 1 verse 30, Paul gives us a vice list where he's, he's listing out all of these different ways that we depart from the way of God and that we go our own way, okay? All of these like, if we were to, you know, we're not supposed to do this, but oftentimes we as Christians like to rank sins, okay? And we think these sins are worse than these sins and and so all of these sins, and, and, and so Paul gives us these sins that like a lot of us as Christians think, man, those are really bad. And then at the end of the list, this is what Paul says in Romans chapter 1, verse 30. Slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents. So you say, man, I... I'm not a hater of God. I've never hated God in my life. And Paul says, have you ever disobeyed your parents? Now, let's just be honest, okay? All of us are guilty of that, right? All of us are guilty of that. I don't know if I've ever told you this story before, but um, my dad may have told this story. I'll, I'll tell it to you again, because I, I know that's been a couple months ago, and you probably don't remember it anyways. Um, when I was a boy, my twin brother Nathan um, went into my parents' bathroom and found a small bottle of nail polish remover and drank it. And so they, you know, flipped out and they took him to the emergency room. And they were in the emergency room and they waited for like five hours. And they brought him back, finally brought him back. And my parents told the doctor what he had done. And they said, well, if he's okay now, then he's going to be fine. Y'all can go home. And my dad's still upset. He said, they charged me for that. You know, they, they <laughs> had, to pay for, had to pay for that. Uh, and so because of that, my parents instituted a rule, a command in our house. And that rule was the children are not allowed in mom and dad's bathroom. And so one day, for whatever reason, I'm in my parents' bedroom, and I'm, I go to, to where the bathroom is, and I see my dad, and he's shaving. And I just look, I don't know why, I don't know why I did this. I just look at him, and I come up to the edge of where the carpet of the bedroom meets the tile that goes into the bathroom. And I look up at him, and I smile. And he says, John, you know the rule. You're not allowed to come in here. And so here's what I did. I stepped on the tile real quick and I stepped back. <laughs> and guess what my dad did? He whipped my butt. <laughs> okay? Because I had, I had, I knew the rule. 
and I intentionally flaunted that rule, okay? And so, so let's just be honest. At some point in our lives, all of us have disobeyed our parents. All of us have done something. Whenever I discipline my children, I, I, I tell them, I listen, you did, you did what mom and dad told you not to do? I get it. I was the same way when I was a kid. I need the forgiveness of Jesus just like you need the forgiveness of Jesus, okay? And so we all have departed from God's design. If you're a kid or you have kids, you know we all break this rule. And here's what, here's what happens to us. In our sin nature, in our sin nature when it comes to the authority that God has placed over our lives, we are suspicious of that authority we are rebellious against that authority and we are envious because we want that authority ourselves. Okay? So we're suspicious of it, we're rebellious against it, and we're envious of that authority. And it starts in the home. It starts when we are young. Now, here's the, the challenge. The challenge is parents, if we're gonna be honest with ourselves, we're not often helpful in this equation, okay? Because parents will say things, you know, out loud to themselves or, or out loud to friends or neighbors sometimes. We're like, I, I just don't understand why they won't listen. I just don't, I don't understand, you know, why they don't do what I'm telling them to do. And often the reason why is you and the example that you've given them. Okay, your children have spent years listening to you come home from work and whine about your boss. And your children have spent years riding home with you from church where you complain about the pastors of the church. And your children have spent years with you where they see you bucking against the authority that God has given to you. And so it's no surprise that they wouldn't respect the authority that God has given to them. Plus, parents often teach and train their children not to respect their authority because parents are constantly allowing their children to negotiate with them. And so you'll tell your children to do something, and what you should expect from the Bible is first-time obedience without argument, but your children will argue with you, and so instead of enforcing, and I mean, we're all guilty of this, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm perfect on this, my wife's way better at this than me. But instead of enforcing that first-time obedience and holding them accountable to that first-time obedience, you'll let them argue with you. And then you'll argue back. And they'll argue with you. And you'll argue back. And instead of being the authority and expecting first-time obedience, what you're doing is you're allowing your children to see your authority as something that's negotiable. As something that's not really serious. And so the, the culture and the spirit of the age when it comes to parenthood is that we are called to be buddies rather than the authority with our children. And the culture applauds this. I mean, the, the culture does not discourage this. I mean, for the last, I mean, what is, I, I think, what is the longest running show right now in America? I think it's The Simpsons, okay? I think it, it may have been Cops, but it was canceled last year because of, you know, the way the country's viewing Cops now, which is ridiculous. And so now The Simpsons is like the longest running show in America. And what the, Sim the, the premise of The Simpsons is, dad's an idiot, the children are smarter than their parents, and they don't need to listen to them. They need to, to listen to themselves. And so it's really hard for us if we're going to obey what the Bible says 
and be the authority in our children's lives when we have a culture that's pushing back against us and is discouraging us. You've got culture right now where at least when my kids were young, you had at Target and other places, T-shirts or onesies that you could buy for your children that said, I'm the boss on them. And so the culture, when it comes to parental authority, is kind of, you know, you're not the boss, your children are the boss, and you need to listen to them. And you got this, this kind of subtle thing where parents, as your children grow up and they become teenagers, where they're encouraged to see their parents as nerds that they don't want to be seen with, and now it's seen as outdated to say yes sir and no ma'am and those kinds of things to show respect to your parents. And this is the culture that we live in. And, and even for us, even as Christians, when our children, and again, we, we all fall into this trap. When our children rebel against us, when our children do things that they're not supposed to do, oftentimes we kind of laugh at it and think it's cute. You know, like when they do something they're not supposed to do, we're like, oh, that's funny. <laughs> and God doesn't think it's funny. God doesn't think it's cute. God says children are to obey and respect their parents. And yet we've departed from that and we act like it's no big deal. And the Bible tells us that, that parents are called to teach and to correct and discipline the folly, the foolishness out of their children. Here's, here's the bottom line. Three-year-olds naturally say no. And they need to be told to say yes, taught to say yes. Guess what? 16-year-olds naturally say no. And they need to be taught and trained to say yes. And we need to teach our children and train our children to have first-time obedience when we tell them something. Remember years ago, uh, Pastor, a friend of mine told me a story of when he was hanging out with one of his deacons from the church and watching his son, who was like nine or ten at the time, at soccer practice. And uh, they're standing there on the sideline, and the deacon has the son's water bottle. And his son, Jonathan, funnily enough, same, same name as me, says to his dad, Bring me my water bottle. And the dad, like, looks at the pastor and looks at his son, and he's kind of embarrassed and doesn't know what to do. And the son goes, I said now. And the, the dad went over and took him the water bottle. He came back, and my pastor friend said to him, bet he's going to do that again. And so children are naturally, we all, in terms of our sinful nature, want to buck against authority and want to treat those in authority over us disrespectfully and we need to be trained out of that. One of the things that children do oftentimes, again this starts when they're young, it happens when they're old, is they like to play one parent against another. And they know the one who's the softy and the one who's easy to get over on and they know the one who is more rigid and they know the one who is more difficult to get over on and so they'll try to play one against another and um, Parents need to be united in the standard and united in the way that they are raising their children. One of the things that you have as teenagers as they grow up and they start to push against the authority of their parents and parents push back and say, you know what? Hey, listen, you're not out of this house yet and you're gonna do what I tell you to do. And so sometimes that'll erupt into a fight and Teenagers will say things to their parents, to their mom, or to their dad, like, I hate you. And so there's, the Bible says in Proverbs, folly, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. And it needs to be corrected out. And so parents are called to be the authority in their children's lives. And here's why. Again, this is the way that, that life works best and the way that Children learn to respond to the first authority that God has placed in their lives is indicative of the way that they will respond to other authority that God has placed in their lives. And so if you're not going to get away with telling your boss, 
I said now, then children need to be taught before they go out into the workforce and before they go out into the world that there are times where you've got to listen to those who are in authority over you and you've got to do what they tell you to do. And more importantly than that, that is indicative ultimately of the way that you relate to God and, and submitting to the authority of God. What God says in his word is not negotiable. It's not something we can argue with him about and say, well, you know what, God, I, I think I know the way that this works best. No, we are called to submit to the authority of God. And so parents are called to intervene in their children's lives and to train them to respond and to submit to authority so that they learn ultimately to respond to the authority of God. So now we live in a culture that is telling us as parents, let your children choose. Let your children choose whether or not they want to be religious. Let your children choose what gender they want to be. Like, we don't let them choose whether or not they get to go to school. And so why are we taking things that are more important than, guess what, parents? There are things more important than school. And so if we don't let our children get to choose whether or not they go to school, why are we letting them choose and not intervening on the much more important decisions that need to be made? And so we are called to be the authority. And unfortunately, in our culture, we have departed from that design. Also, as I said earlier, culture does not value aging parents and wants us to see older parents as a nuisance and something that we don't really want to deal with. I remember um, when I was, the, the first church that I pastored, I'm, I'm like 25 at the time. First church I pastored in Louisville, Kentucky, an ice storm came through and knocked out the power in Louisville and it knocked it out for a week. And so I'm pastoring the church, having an associate pastor and there's a, a a young couple calls my associate pastor because their parents are members of our church. And with the ice storm and the power being knocked out, the phone lines are down. Like the, it was like a week where ice was on the phone lines and, and it was below freezing. So like there was no way, y'all never have that happen here, okay? But so like, like you just had to wait till the temperatures got above freezing for things to thaw, okay? And so they could not, this young couple could not get a hold of their parents. And so they called my associate pastor and said, look, we've not been able to get a, a hold of my mom and dad um, for about three or four days now. They're probably fine. They've got a generator. They, sh they should be okay. But could you go check on them and take them bread and milk? Which is like what you have to have. Again, y'all don't have to deal with that. Anytime there's snow, you got to have bread and milk. All right. And so me and the associate pastor were like, sure, we'll, we'll do that. So we drive to the house through the ice and they, they live like way up on a hill. And so we park the car at the bottom, walk up the hill, go in there, they're fine, okay? And we made sure they got, their generator was in a shed at the bottom of the hill, which they had not gotten. So they just kept their, uh, they had like a, a stove, a, a wood stove in their house and they had kept it going to keep them warm. And so we went to the bottom of the hill, got the generator, took it up there, got them, got them going. But, but I, I tell you all that to tell you this. That young couple that had called us to take them bread and milk and to make sure they were okay lived 10 minutes from their parents. And instead of them going to check on them, they called the pastors of the church and said, why don't you guys go check on them? And so we're living in a culture that does not value caring for aging parents. And so we've completely departed from God's design. Parents are not seen as the authority in their kids' lives and kids don't respect their parents. And so that, that's led us to a place of brokenness. As I said, that is not, that's not helping us in America in terms of family life. It's, it's making things worse. God knows how life works best and we've rejected that 
and so we've ended up in this place of brokenness. And so one of the things we do as you think about the, the three circles is as families and as, as individuals, as parents, we try to find all kinds of ways to get out of that brokenness and to, to, to alleviate that on our own. Some, a lot of uh, parents, especially in a church culture, double down on kind of legalism. And they double down on, you know what? We're gonna insist on and enforce these rules. And so our children aren't supposed to, to drink and to chew and to go with girls that do, right? That's the, that's the thing that we were all raised with. And so they double down on legalism. They think, you know what, if we just make more rules and we insist on more rules, then that's gonna make things better. Or some parents swing the, the pendulum the other way and they just acquiesce. And so they just tell their children, follow your heart, follow your dreams, do what you wanna do, and things will be, will be better, they think. You have children, and again, you kind of think about those, those two different sides of the pendulum. You have some children who try to please their parents, and they want to please their, their parents so much that what you have, and again, I've seen this so many times in my life in ministry, parent, uh, children who want to please their parents so much that they'll make a profession of faith, and they'll get baptized, and they have no idea what it means to believe the gospel, and they have no idea what baptism means, but they're going through with it because their parents want them to. I remember when I was, again, 25, brand new pastor, uh, invitation, parents bring a five-year-old boy down and I ask him, why are you here? And he looks at me and then he looks at his dad and the dad's like, tell him. And then he looks at me again and the dad's like, well, he's, he's come to give his life to Jesus. And so I talked to the son, hey, what, you know, are you, you giving your life to Jesus today? And he looks back at his dad. And like, the dad's like forcing him to come down. And the dad is trying to force me as the pastor to baptize him. When I refused, the dad left the church because he said, you don't tell me when my kids should be baptized, I tell you. And I was like, uh, no, actually, I do tell you when your kids should be baptized. Not sorry. <laughs> um, and so you have this kind of like kids trying to please their parents and they make this, you know, this, this forced profession of faith or they get baptized because they're pressured to or again, you have the opposite where um, kids kind of go off on their own. They don't listen to their parents. They see their parents as idiots or parents are trying to be the best friends with their kids. And what we have now in America is we, we listen to Dr. Phil and we listen to Oprah and we listen to Disney, but we're not listening to the word of God, and we end up more broken. Now, here's the good news. Let me move us to a wrap up with this. The good news is this. Jesus kept this command, and Jesus took the punishment for us breaking it. Jesus kept this command, and Jesus takes the punishment for us breaking it. In fact, the Bible in the New Testament goes to great lengths to to share with us the fact that Jesus obeyed this commandment. Not only when he was young, but also when he was older. The Bible tells us this in Luke chapter two, verse 51. And Jesus went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And so Jesus, here's the thing about Jesus. He never went through the terrible twos. He never went through teenage rebellion. He never went through the phase where he told his parents no. The Bible says he was submissive in everything to Mary and Joseph. He's the only one who kept this. And then Jesus, you think about this. Jesus, the Gospel of John tells us that when he's hanging on the cross, and he's suffocating in his dying gasps. That he looks down at the Apostle John and his mom who's next to him. And he says, woman, 
behold your son, and son, behold your mother. And Jesus, as he's drowning in his own blood, makes arrangements for his aging mother to be cared for and to be taken care of. And so Jesus, from the moment that he was born until the moment he dies, honors his parents. And yet, Jesus, who was the law keeper, takes the punishment that we lawbreakers deserve so that we can be forgiven and so that we can be given a new chance to honor our parents. Here's the thing about Jesus. We, as we think about, give you just a, a couple things of application as we close. You say, John, you don't know what my family life's like. You don't know the situation that I was raised in. Here's what I do know. Jesus is the only perfect child in the history of the world and he had imperfect parents and he honored them. And so I don't care how imperfect your parents are, you are called to honor them. And so in Christ Jesus, if you'll believe in him, you'll be forgiven for falling short of this commandment, you'll be given a new chance to recover and pursue God's design for your life. You can be transformed by Jesus to honor your parents and to live this out. And here's what I know. Life is messy, especially when it comes to family life. You, you can't go back and undo and fix everything that's gone wrong in your marriage, in your family, with your children, but you can, from this point, from today forward, you can try, in the grace of Jesus Christ, to recover and pursue God's design for your life. And so some of you may say, again, you don't know my situation. I was abused by my parents. I was abandoned by my parents. And so let me say this. I don't want to belittle your pain at all. I don't want to minimize it. But I do know people, and I know people personally, personally, who've been in your shoes, who still honor their parents. I know people personally who have been abused in ways that you don't even want to imagine by their parents and yet they still honor them. Now, they, they honor what is honorable. They don't do it without qualifications. They don't let the grandchildren go over and stay with mom and dad. But they still honor what they can honor. And so that's what you are called to do. You honor what's honorable. They brought you into the world. They provided for you. They gave you shelter. Maybe they took you to church. Whatever it is that you can honor, you honor that in your parents. And we live in a world where it's easy to complain, it's easy to play the victim. You know, complain, my, my parents didn't spend enough time with me. Maybe that's because they were working a job and trying to take care of you. Whatever it is that you can honor, you need to honor your parents. Some of you in this room, are younger and you're in your parents' home, maybe you're in elementary school, maybe you're a teenager, and here's what you need to learn. You need to learn first-time obedience without arguing. When your parents tell you to do something, you do it. You say, yes, sir. You say, yes, ma'am. And you do it, and you do it without arguing. You need to learn first-time obedience. Some of you in the room need to learn to be respectful to your parents when you're in public with them and not try to manipulate them. Pitch a fit in the store to try to get what you want. Disrespect them. No, you need to learn that both in private or in public, I need to be kind and respectful to my parents. I need to say, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, no, sir, no, ma'am. 
you are called to respect your parents. Some of you adults in the room, you need to call your parents more often than you do. You need to love and care for your parents better than you are right now. Maybe, maybe you need to move an aging mom or an aging dad into your home. You say, well, I mean, that's gonna be an inconvenience. They'd be better off in a nursing home. No, no, they'd be better off in your home. Maybe you should do that. Or if you're gonna move them into a nursing home, move them into one that's near you so you can visit them weekly rather than stashing them away so you never have to see them. You say, well, I, you know, I pay the bill. I, who cares? Like, do you, do you think your kids value you paying for their stuff more than they value you giving them their, your time? And so give them your time. Give them your presence. Some of you here in the room have parents who are not believers in Jesus Christ and you need to commit. The way you can honor your parents is by sharing the gospel with them. Go visit them, sit down with them and say, I need to talk to you about eternity. I need to talk to you about your relationship with the Lord. Some of you need to do that. Some of you in the room have wayward children right now who've walked away from you, walked away from the Lord. And here's what you need to do. You need to keep praying for them. You need to show love to them, be willing to forgive them, be willing not to give up on them. And here's the thing I would tell you this. Again, when it comes to your prodigal children, you're gonna have to balance truth and love. Okay, you can't compromise the truth. But man, you need to love and fight for your children. I mean, love and fight for your children. So here's what that, one way that, that could look in your life is, again, not that you've done everything wrong, but whatever you have done that is wrong, own it. And ask their forgiveness. And say, look, I know I'm not perfect. I'm not a perfect parent. I need your forgiveness just like I need the Lord's forgiveness. And I want you to forgive me. And I, I, I want you to know I'm committed to you the best I can by the power of the Spirit from this day forward to be as honorable as I can be, to, to walk with Jesus as best I can, I can to, to love you and to parent you as best as I can. That's what I'm committed to. But own what you can own and, and confess those things to your kids. And so fight for your kids. Fight for your children. So whatever it is that, that God is is calling you to, I, I just pray that you would listen to him and that you would fight to recover and pursue God's design for your life and for your family. We ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. We're gonna go into a, a time of response and here's what we're gonna do in this time of response. We're gonna take the Lord's Supper together as a church family. And so here's what I wanna uh, encourage you. I know many of you uh, should have gotten that, the elements when you came in. I'm going to pray here in a second and we're going to sing and then I'll come back up and we'll take the Lord's Supper together as a church family. But here's what I want to, what I want to challenge you with. This is a time if you are a believer in Christ, then this is a time for us to celebrate the Lord's Supper and this is a time for us to confess sin to the Lord and to rest in and rejoice in the forgiveness that we have in Jesus. And so I wanna, I wanna encourage you if this, as we go into this time, as you think about pain in your marriage, pain in your family, pain with your children, pain with your parents, this is a time to to give those things to the Lord and to rest in his forgiveness and to rejoice in the new chance that you have from this point forward to walk in his design for your life and for your family. The Lord's Supper teaches us that and 
and, and symbolizes that for us. And so if you're a believer in Christ and you've made that public through baptism, then we encourage you to take the Lord's Supper again. This is a time for you to pray, confess. I'll come up here in just a, a couple of minutes and instruct you to take the bread and the cup together. But if you're here tonight or you're watching online and you're not a believer in Jesus, then we want this meal, we want this family supper, we take the Lord's Supper to be an invitation to you to give your life to Jesus. So here's what I wanna challenge you to do. In just a few minutes when we get done taking the supper, we're gonna pray, we're gonna wrap things up. And there's gonna be pastors here at the front when we end. And they would love to talk to you about how you can become part of the family of God. And how you can get a new start today and how God can begin the healing process for you and for your family. And so if that's you, if you're not a believer in Jesus, we're not trying to exclude you when we say this meal's not for you. We're inviting you. Let this be the last time you don't take the Lord's Supper. Give your life to Jesus. And so however you need to respond right now, whether it's taking the supper or whether it's giving your life to Jesus, this is the time to respond. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. And I ask you, Lord, if there's anyone here who doesn't know Christ as Savior, they would come at the end of the service and they would give their life to Jesus and they would have a brand new start for them and for their families. And Father, I pray for those of us who are believers that as we think about Jesus shedding his blood for us and giving his body for us, that we would rest in the forgiveness that we have. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And Lord, that we would commit to recover and to pursue from whatever point we're at. We can't go back and fix the past, but from wherever we're at, we're at Lord, help us to pursue your design for our lives and for our families. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand to your feet? Let's sing together. We'll take the Lord's Supper here in just a few minutes.